1977 was a momentous year, a momentous year. One of those key turning points in history that, in the, that now looking back we can go, that was the moment that you know, history really turned on that year, 1977. So at some point in 1977, I don't want to go into the details too much, but mum and dad discovered that they were expecting a child. Um, and this, this, <laughs> this child who was to become their favourite. <laughs> and then I was born in October. October 27th, 1977. It was a momentous year. But then something else really amazing happened in 1977 as well, eh, Stu? Star Wars! Star Wars was released on May 25th. It hit cinemas and it was kicked off this space opera franchise that has become so embedded in our culture that all I need to say is something like, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And already you're probably imagining those scrolling, word, scrolling words at the beginning. Or you make a noise like this. And you know who I'm talking about. And if you don't, then have a look at um, Stu's t-shirt. Or you go something like, dun, 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 right? Something like that. And you know what I'm on about. So I was born in the same year as Star Wars, and I grew up wanting to be Luke Skywalker. With um, Luke Skywalker, he had cool outfits, he had cool, like, flying, those flying machine things, I can't remember what they're called. Um, Stu? Land speeders, yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. And, and he had those su the supernatural abilities of the Force at his beck and call, like he could do amazing tricks. Um, it was quite, uh, yeah, it was amazing. Anyway, what are those movies about? Anyway, Star Wars, what are those movies about? Okay, I was going to, I was going to get, I was going to, <laughs> I was thinking I'd get Stu up here to give a plot summary, but um, <laughs> he'll take too long, and I'm going to give you the, the, <laughs> the short treatment. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, seven movies, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to summarize it, and here's, here's what happens in Star Wars. You've got the Empire. And you got dudes like Darth Vader and uh, that nasty Emperor Palpatine, that wrinkly old man that can shoot lightning out his fingers. And they're trying to rule and dominate the galaxy, trying to bring it under their power. They're gunning for a galactic empire. And they're evil. And you know they're evil because when these guys turn up, you hear that, no, that, that soundtrack. Ding, 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 ding. Evil. It's an evil soundtrack. And then on the other corner, you got the Rebel Alliance. Yeah! Luke Skywalker, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Yoda. What is he? Who knows? He's a little flipping man thingy. C-3PO, this stra strange robot. R2-D2, Han Solo, Chewbacca, the Ewoks. Yes. I was going to come to Princess Leia. <laughs> so I grew up wanting to be Luke Skywalker. And also in love with Princess Leia. You your <laughs> I was a child. I didn't understand that kind of thing at the time. So the Rebel Alliance, they're fighting against the Empire. And there's all kinds of intricacies and subplots. And it has to be because you've got to make this franchise last how many movies again? Eight, Eight more. Yeah. And you've got to sell a lot of stuff. And there's all sorts of things like, uh, you know, like trying to blow up the Death Star. 
there's subplots, yeah, like Luke discovering that he's has a romantic interest in his twin sister. Ah, yeah, morally a bit strange. Um, but basically, the overall narrative is the story of the rebel alliance um, up against the evil empire. Yeah, that's the story. And we all have stories. We've all got that. We've all got these narratives. Um, these narratives and the, the ways that we, we hold the events of our lives together. It's like in my story, 1977. And in my story, I became the favorite of mum and dad's. <laughs> mum and dad's three children and Nicholas and Anna, they've got a different version of the story. Be- because in the, their story is a fiction, whereas my story is a non-fiction story. <laughs> I can't talk about that. (laughs) Anyway, I told you a couple weeks ago how I grew up, and I was like fascinated with insects from an early age, and I felt I felt my destiny was actually to be a medical doctor, and how it didn't work out, didn't become a medical doctor. I came became a, a the different sort of doctor. And, um, and these days, um, these days I find myself, like, like my main thing is being pastor of this church. That's my main thing. And then, um, then in my spare time, I um, do a bit of research on insects, which is really, really cool. Like um, this passion that I had when I was a kid, I get to do that again. Um, like I could tell you the story about how that all happened, how like one event or one decision led, led to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and, and so on. And, and you all have the same, you all the same thing going on. You have, um, you have a narrative. Uh, sometimes, sometimes we'll have a bit of an idea of, of where that narrative is heading or we'll have a, um, either in our hearts like we want, we want to be going in a certain direction or, um, or what's on the very next page, or just what's the very, very next thing we're going to be doing. Like after the service, if I ever stop preaching, then we'll have some lunch. Sometimes we have a, we have a real hopeful kind of story, a hopeful narrative, and we expect things are going to work out okay in the end. Like there's that, there's that quote, um, which apparently was from John Lennon, but it was um, made popular in the best exotic Marigold, Marigold Hotel, where he said, everything will be all right in the end. So if it's not all right, it's not the end. But sometimes we also we can feel hopeless, and sometimes we can feel like there's no happy ending to our story. As individuals, every age, we all have these we all have these stories, these narratives. As individuals, we have those. Like families, families have them. Our families' way of, of um, talking about things and, and events, and our culture also has um, has narratives. So I worked for a while in medical research, and in medical research there's a narrative, and the narrative goes like this. If we can understand human biology and diseases better, then we're going to be able to find cures, and we're going to be able to find effective therapies, and we're going to be able to cure diseases. Some of the narratives in our culture are really optimistic like that. They're hopeful. Whereas others are really negative, like, uh, like the narrative of, of global warming and of sea levels rising. Like that narrative, um, that narrative uh, tells us that unless there's a massive global reduction in pollution and the ways that we do things, the ways that society lives, then there's going to be uh, just horrendous disruption and it's going to be bad. It's going to be very bad. There's also in the narrative of the, sort of the financial narratives that we hear and the, the one that, 
There's one at the moment that tells us that just around the corner there's going to be another global recession, um, that things are going to be bad. And these, these narratives can uh, leave us feeling, in the case of medical research, they can uh, leave us feeling really hopeful, oh, like we just got to understand um, biology a bit better and diseases a bit more and then we can find cures. Uh, or in the case of uh, narratives about global warming and recession and so on, they can make us actually feeling really, really hopeless. So we have our individual narratives, we can have like family narratives and cultural narratives, all these kind of things that, that are all going on at the same time. And, um, and the question is, is there, is there a meta-narrative? Is there, is there a narrative above all the narratives? A meta-narrative? And probably some of you are going, what does that even mean? Meta-narrative is, is the overall story. Like I, I started with telling you about Star Wars because there's the smaller stories of Luke falling in love with his sister or, um, or trying, to, um, trying to blow up the Death Star like that, uh, like that really awesome scene when he's like going over, as an X-Wing ace he's flying over the, over the Death Star and then he uses the force to fire the missiles right at the right time in the right spot and those missiles you know, go drop down right and down to the Death Star and, and, um, and that's the end of the Death Star until the next episode. Um, but the overall story, so they're, they're, they're the smaller stories. The overall story is the story of the uh, rebel alliance versus the galactic empire. And today I want to talk about the meta-narrative to end all meta-narratives. And it starts like this. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1 verse 1. Our story goes like this, God made everything, and therefore God is the ruler over it all. But, in, but into, this, uh, into this story, there came rebellion. Satan deceived Adam and Eve, and Satan became the God of this world. It says in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Satan implemented his policy and practice of sin, of sickness, of demons, and death. So our world has become uh, what some people describe, what it describes in Galatians 1.4, this present evil age. However, God promised all throughout the Old Testament that he would put an end to this present evil age by sending a Messiah to defeat wickedness in all its forms, that this Messiah would save his people, that the Messiah would bring salvation to the earth. God promised war. God, God promises war. God will establish his kingdom by destroying the kingdoms of darkness. Heaven will come to earth and evil will go to hell. Yeah. The future promise of God was fulfilled when Jesus came. When Jesus came and he was forgiving sins. When Jesus healed sicknesses. When Jesus drove out demons and raised the dead. And we've been looking at, all, we've been looking at these stories in our journey through Matthew this year. All the kinds of things that Jesus did. Not only in his life, but even more so in Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, was Satan and his rule decisively defeated. Decisively defeated. It says in 1 John 3, 8, For this purpose the Son of God appeared, that he might destroy the works of the evil one. In the kingdom of God, it's a, it's a dynamic concept. 
because it's to do with the with the action of God's rule. It's the activity, it's action. It's it's more than it's more than a realm or a place of God's rule. Like in, in uh, Matthew Matthew twelve twenty eight, Jesus uh, it tells a story that this mute this man arrives to Jesus and he's um, he's blind and he can't talk. He's mute. And I was thinking about that this week. I was, that would be such a rough situation. You can't see, and you can't talk. Like how are you going to? How, how do you even begin to um, get help or to or to communicate to people? And it turned out this man, uh, the his being blind and has not being able to speak was was caused by demons. So Jesus drove the demons out of him, and he was set free. He could he could see again, and he could speak again. And so he was questioned about this. People going, you can only do that through the prince of darkness, through the devil. It's only, you can only do that through the devil. And Jesus goes, um, no. And he gets to this point, Matthew 28, he goes, if I drive out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And so they had a choice. They go, well, did he drive, did he drive out the demons by the um, prince of darkness, by the devil, or is he, did he drive it out by the by the Spirit of God. And if he did it by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God, which they'd been expecting, had come upon them in that moment. Kingdom of God had come. And yet, and yet we know that evil is still rampant. We still sin. People still sin. People still get sick and people still die. Our world is still messed up. And Jesus called this the mystery of the kingdom of God. The future age of God's rule has become present. It has become fulfilled in the age of Jesus, but it hasn't been consummated. So that's, that's a word that means essentially that it, that it hasn't all been, all been wrapped up. All these future expectations hadn't come completely. The kingdom of God arrived without putting an end to this age, without taking it over completely. And yet this will still happen at the second coming of Jesus. And we live in this tension. We live in this tension between fulfillment and consummation. Between the already of the kingdom of God over here and the not yet of the kingdom of God. The already and the not yet. But the consummation, the, the, the completeness of the kingdom will see the, the full the full experience that's talked about at the other end of the Bible in Revelation 21, where it says, now the dwelling place of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order, order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Some of you might have might recognize this diagram. It's a classic classic vineyard diagram that helps us to understand uh, the kingdom of God as taught and as demonstrated by Jesus. So you've got the, the line at the bottom <coughs> starting with the fall and this line at the bottom representing this evil age. This evil age and everything that's going on. And into this age steps Jesus. Jesus arrives. 
And Jesus demonstrated the arrival of the kingdom of God. He healed people. He set people free from demons. He calmed the storm. He demonstrated the power of God's kingdom over the power of evil. And when Jesus died upon the cross, he took upon himself the sins of the world. He took upon himself the penalty of our sin, of my sin, of your sin. And he, that penalty was death. And when Jesus was resurrected, he defeated death. He showed he's king, king. He defeated death, demonstrating the power of the kingdom of God over the ultimate end of sin. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of life. And then at Pentecost, the arrival of the Holy Spirit, he fell upon people. He filled, filled the believers, the presence of God with them, fulfilling them. And these are all really, really key facets in the future expectation of the kingdom of God or facets of this future age to come. Like in that verse I read from Revelation, the dwelling place of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And that kind of happened when, when the Holy Spirit came, the presence of God with, with the disciples. Key facets of this future age to come. The kingdom of God, this reality that was thought to just be a future reality, at the end of all things, was somehow invading, was invading the future. The future reality thought to belong to the age to come was invading the present, sorry. The future is invading the present. It's like seeds, seeds of the kingdom of God have traveled through time, which I quite like, because I like time travel sci-fi especially. They've traveled through time from the age to come and they've been planted in the soil of the present. And these seeds of the kingdom, they're growing, they're growing up. And the direction of this age is towards a future age that prophecies like those in the book of Revelation, those in the books of Isaiah and so on in the Old Testament point towards. And last week, Rosemary preached from the, the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. Matthew 13 has a whole bunch of Jesus' parables that are all about the kingdom of God. And they paint this picture of the kingdom the kingdom of God entering our world subversively, like, like undercover, but, but, doing, but doing things in a way that actually can be quite disruptive, um, like the, I guess like the rebel alliance's approach to, to destroying the evil empire, galactic empire. This good seed, like the good seed, there's a parable of the good seed scattered by a farmer in a field, and, um, and it's all growing up at the same time as the seed that was scattered by an enemy in the field. And it's all growing up at the same time. The good seed, the good seed and the not good seed. All growing up at the same time. Or, or the kingdom of God is like a tiny mustard seed that was planted and then became a great big tree. Or like yeast. And that's a fascinating, it's a real fascinating picture because yeast was typically thought to represent sin. In this case, it's representing the kingdom of God. Yeast work through bread dough. You know, when you when you make bread, um, you have some have a little tiny bit of yeast, and that yeast spreads out through the whole dough, and it has its effect on the whole dough um, to make bread. Jesus is showing us that the kingdom of God is sometimes hidden away, but it's on the move. It's advancing. It's forcefully advancing. He says. Kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and it can't be stopped. And this, this is the meta narrative that we live in. This is a meta narrative that we can embrace, that our individual narratives can link to and point towards. 
the narrative of the kingdom of God is one of promise. It's one of hope. It's one of restoration. This, this narrative actually stands against uh, the narratives that we, we often hear, like the hopeless narratives that we, that we you know, read about in the media every day. Uh, we can read stories about, um, about global climate change and, and lose hope. We go, well, what difference can I make doing my bit of recycling? What difference is it going to make? We hear stories about that and we can lose hope. But the narrative of the kingdom, the narrative of the kingdom speaks a different story. The narrative of the kingdom doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't direct us toward disaster, chaos, and destruction and, and the end of the world as we know it. It tells us that God is at work in our world. God is at work. He's at work in nations. He's at work in ge geography and he's work in geology. The narrative of the kingdom of God helps us understand this big thing. I bring my biggest Bible in to show off. No, actually, I started reading it because it's got big letters, and I think my eyes are getting worse. It helps us to understand it. It helps us to understand this, the story of the Bible from the Old Testament through to the New Testament. So it helps us to understand the past. It helps us to understand the present in some ways, or at least to have a hopeful perspective on the present. And even more exciting is it helps us to, um, to, helps us to have an anticipation and participation in the future. Followers of Jesus are kingdom agents. We carry in our hearts the hope that there's a meaning to life on earth. We have in our hearts that purpose. We... It's quite crazy to think that like, we've got this, this purpose to our lives. That's like a, it's, a, it's an eternal purpose. I really like that what Anna was prophesying at the end about, um, about peace, about being carriers of peace. And I, like, that's very powerful. We live in a real anxious world. And we, in, the, in the places that we're at, whether we're at work or at home or at school or wherever we're at, we can be carriers of peace and hope in those situations even if we're trembling in our boots. But we've got the Spirit with us. Those who are born again have already entered the kingdom of God. And the church, the church lives between these two ages. We're somehow in this, in this kind of zone, in this zone, the already and the not yet of the kingdom of God. The future age of the kingdom and this present age, we're living in this tension like we, we actually live the eternal life of the future right now, right here in the present. We bring in heaven to earth. And we sang about that this morning. <laughs> Thanks, Anna, for um, plagiarizing my preach. No, I think it was really awesome. I loved it. I was like going, man, the words of the songs that Anna, that Anna chose, they were um, totally tied in. Let heaven come, man. It's what we want. We want the future, that future age to come, invade the present, the seeds of the kingdom. There's a battle going on. This is war, and we're in the thick of it, whether we know it or not, whether we like it or not, we're in it. And we are the instruments of God's rule. Oh, that's cool. We, we're, as the instruments, we're confronting and destroying evil in all its forms. We speak the words and we do the works. And we see the wonders of the kingdom. 
The church is the community of the kingdom. We're commissioned with the authority to advance God's kingdom to the ends of the earth. It says that at the end of, end of Matthew 28. Actually, I'll look it up. Jesus said to the disciples, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And remember that I'm, I'm with you always to the end of the age. He's given us authority. And we can live in the expectation that the future age is breaking in, and we can embrace the tension of the already and the not yet. Oh, I love lightning storms. And last night's was pretty cool. Like, from our place, we didn't really see a lot. We could see this kind of um, faint <laughs> shimmer, of, <laughs> shimmer of light in the sky. But apparently, out in uh, Paikokariki, it was um, pretty spectacular. So the Kanis told me, lightning storms are amazing. You got, especially at nighttime, especially when it's dark, and you got like the, the piercing of the night with the, with the lightning strike. And I often think about the kingdom of God being like that. Like we're, we're living in this tension um, of, of stuff not being right. We see the brokenness in the world. But at the same time, anything could happen in the moment. Like... Um, like unplug your computer because at any moment there could be a lightning strike on your house. Or at any moment, someone who's got a real sore back, the kingdom of God might break through in that situation and heal that person's back. And then they are set free from suffering. And not only that, but the kingdom of God has battled against the kingdom of darkness and it's won. That's amazing. But it's a tension, and we experience this as, as individuals. We know that we, we come to Jesus, and we put our trust in him as our saviour and, and our Lord, and we enter his kingdom, and yet we find that we still struggle. Like we still, we still have temptations that don't always go away. We find that sometimes we do get sick, and sometimes we're not healed. Sometimes we, 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 suffer, we, we suffer, and others we love, us, they suffer. And, and the Apostle Paul had this as well. He talks about it in Romans. He goes, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. This is the Apostle Paul. Uh, he wrote most of the New Testament. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Man, you read it and you hear the tension. The tension of, of the already and the not yet. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God <laughs> who delivers me all at the same time. The struggle is real. And yet... And yet we can, and, and people do experience breakthrough. Loads of us will be able to tell you testimonies, stories that witness to the breakthrough of the kingdom of God in our lives. And here at, here at CV, right from day one, in mum and dad's uh, lounge when they started this church, um, we've cultivated an expectation of the inbreaking of God's kingdom at any moment. Any moment. Like when we, we pray for people, we always want to have a space where we can pray for people for healing. We always want to have that space. 
our expectation is that that can happen, or uh, our expectation of the presence of God in our gathering and in worship. Uh, we have an expectation that as soon as we gather and as soon as we start playing the songs, that we're actually meeting with Jesus and the presence of Jesus, which uh, it's a wild, wild idea. Uh, we want to taste the powers of the coming ages. Love that. We want to taste the powers of the coming ages. As it says in Hebrews 6, verse 5. Again, my daughter Elena, she's incredible, right? She's probably a prophet. Anyway, um, so, so we gave out those chocolates before at the start of the service to try to entice you to come sit further forward. And I wasn't thinking straight, and she ended up with a chocolate. And then so I see her sucking on the, on the, on the, you know, on the chocolate. It was one of these ones here. And I thought, oh, well, that's all right. It's still in its wrapper. And she's sucking on it, looking quite like she's enjoying it. And then she pulls it out. And I realized she's actually managed to break through. And she's tasting the chocolate coming through the wrapper. And isn't that a picture of the kingdom of God and the presence of God? We, um, like, we can be like Elena, like so desperate to taste the kingdom of God that we're sucking on the wrapper. Yeah? yeah. <laughs> What's that? Adrian. <laughs> Divine healing. It's a taste of the age to come. The presence of God, when you feel that, it's a taste of the age to come. An age to come when there will be no more sickness or suffering. The tension of the kingdom reminds us that sometimes people are healed, and man, that is amazing when that happens. But sometimes people are not healed. It's the tension of the kingdom, and it's really important. At, at, at Vineyard, we do not have an extreme like kingdom now view that says everyone we pray for must be healed or else they're doing something wrong or we're doing something wrong. If they're not healed, then it's a lack of faith or, or, or a theology that says it's a result of sin in someone's life. Now, sometimes maybe that is the case. But we don't have the view that everybody we pray for is going to be healed now. And yet, nonetheless... But we still want it. We want to see that. We want to see uh, people healed. We still strain towards the future age. Sometimes it feels like, sometimes it feels like, well, for me anyway, sometimes it feels like my heart's tripping over with hope towards it, towards the presence of Jesus. And we can all be agents of the kingdom in many, many ways. Like it's not just to do with healing. Many, many ways that the kingdom can be advanced. Sharing our faith and telling people about Jesus. Feeding the hungry. Caring for the poor. Fighting for justice. Being kind to others. Like little things. Being kind to others. Loving our neighbors as ourselves. These are, all, like, these are actually all future aspects of life in, in that future age to come. Caring for our planet. Creating beauty. Worshipping God, interceding and crying out to God, intercession, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. Kingdom living, this is kingdom living, and, it, and it's multifaceted, and I think it's really, really, really exciting. At any, at any moment, any moment, you could be, you could be on your way you could be on your way to work. You could be riding your bike to work along State Highway 2. And in that moment, God speaks to you. And, and, it, and it, changes, it changes your day. It changes your behavior. It changes the way that you, you relate to others. 
and you're being, we're being agents of the kingdom. Agents of the future rule and reign of God today. Each one of us. Agents of the future rule and reign today and tomorrow, which is Monday, and the day after that, Tuesday. Every day, agents of the kingdom. It's a really, really hopeful narrative that we can embrace and enter into. It doesn't, it doesn't limit, it has no limits. It's not just for uh, adults, but it's from the youngest to the oldest. All are agents of the kingdom. It's um, not just for people that have certain gifts. The <coughs> theology of the kingdom of God is, is more that gifts can be available to anybody at any moment. All we have to do is be receptive, uh, be receptive to it and be willing to, uh, to receive and to practice what God has put in our hands for that moment, for, to bless that person in front of us. So at any moment we can go, Lord Jesus, what do you want me, what do you want me to do in this situation? Or what do you want me to say in this situation? If somebody's like sharing something, something with you, some, something they're going through, like, like a difficulty at, at school or at work, and you go, oh, I don't know what to say. Each one of us can invite the Lord into that situation. We don't have to know what to say, but we can be agents of the kingdom. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for, uh, for your kingdom. Thank you that your kingdom is forcefully advancing. And Lord Jesus, you were a word worker. You, you talked about the kingdom, and then you demonstrated the kingdom. And Lord, I, I feel that, that that's part of what that's part of our response this morning too, Lord Jesus. So we want to make space. We want this to be a place of your kingdom. For your kingdom to break through in our lives, like that picture that Stu had of the light and the dark, lights and darkness. To break through in our lives with uh, like removing, removing fear and, and worry and anxiety and, and replacing it with, with peace and hope that we might be confident agents of your future kingdom. For healing in our bodies, Lord Jesus. For the for the flow of the of that sort of that dynamic flow of the Holy Spirit wherever we find ourselves, Lord Jesus, so let Your kingdom come. Future present, future present. It's a it's a title that I really like because it's like man in this present time the future is invading. <laughs>